Thank you. Um, good, good evening, everyone. Um, like Leslie said, I work with Brian over at Newton Moon, so we feel a bit of a connection to the church here through Brian and Janet and the family. And it's nice to be with you and uh, see church life with you. I'm going to read tonight from 1 Kings chapter 11. And this is uh, an account of part of Solomon's life. And it's something, as you'll find out as I speak, that hit me as I was reading the Bible to my children. We've got three little children who are uh, five and four and two, so they're keeping our hands fairly full at the moment. And usually when I'm reading the Bible to them, I kind of just read it as a story, and I often don't take it in for myself. But sometimes God speaks to you, doesn't he? And he spoke to me from this passage. So this is 1 Kings 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. Amen. So it wasn't quite those verses I was reading with my children, but we were reading um, from, well, the story of David and Solomon and Saul from a children's Bible. If we've got the image up, you'll be able to see the image we were looking at. And the bit that struck me was a comment about Saul's life. It was talking about how God gave Israel king. And it says, God gave them a king. He was called Saul, and he seemed like a good king at first. But he became proud and stopped listening to God. He didn't obey God or love God with his whole heart. So as I say, I was reading this children's story with my two-year-old on my knee, my four- and five-year-old sitting next to me, kind of pushing in. But in that moment, God And as I heard this summary of Saul's life, he didn't obey God or love God with his whole heart. I suddenly felt a challenge to myself. It made me sit up and listen and just question, actually, what is the story of my life? What is the trajectory I am going on? Saul seemed like a good king at first. And the same could be said about Solomon as well. Solomon seemed like a good king at first. 
early on in Solomon's life, we hear about a time when God appeared to him. And God asked him a question. He said, ask for anything you want. And we're told that God was pleased with Solomon's reply. Instead of asking for wealth or riches or honor, he asked for wisdom, to know the difference between right and wrong. He started off so well, and yet the passage we read talks about where his life got to. And in a similar throwaway line to the children's Bible there, it says, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. All of this uh, brought a bit of a flashback in my mind to a time when I was about 10 or 11, and as a church, we were doing something called a walk through the Bible. I don't know if you've ever done one, but if you haven't, the basic idea is that you have an afternoon together and you go through the story of the Bible, but you go through it at kind of breakneck speed from beginning to end, using simple words and simple actions to get a picture of how the whole Bible fits together. And so when it came to kings Saul and David and Solomon, it had some very simple actions. It said, well, King Saul had no heart, King David had a whole heart, and King Solomon had half a heart. It was summarizing these lives in just a simple action and a simple few words. Did they have a whole heart for God? like David, or half a heart like Solomon, or no heart like King Saul. It's quite amazing to sum up a life in such a short sentence, isn't it? And yet, it is what the Bible does in this chapter with Solomon. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father, David, had been. Here's a man who started so well. So what led him from that beginning of real faithfulness and desire to please God, desire to know the difference between right and wrong, to this place as he grows old, where he is so far from God? And what path are we on? Are we people who are growing more and more in love with God, more and more devoted to Him, or are we on this kind of downward drift away from God? It challenged me personally because I kind of felt, well, what would the summary about me be? Particularly as someone who's working for the church, as a minister, someone who's supposed to be close to God. Well, am I growing closer to God? Or am I growing slowly further away from him? You know, it's possible to look okay on the outside, but just to be going through the motions, isn't it? And sometimes I feel like that's what I do myself. Sometimes I feel like I know the things that need to be done, the tasks that have to be done, but I kind of squeeze prayer out, become more self-reliant and less dependent on God. I focus more on what I need to do than on what God would have me do. Focus more on pleasing others than on pleasing 
God. And so for me, it felt like a bit of a rebuke. Could my life be summed up by saying, well, Dave, he looked like a good, he seemed like a good minister at first, but his heart grew proud and he stopped listening to God. And it made me think a little bit about the, some slides that I'd seen that were used with a church that was in vacancy. Um, and the person who was running the day with them was asking them about what was it that they were looking for in a minister or a new pastor. And you'll see on the slide there's a whole range of things there. And the person who was running the day was trying to um, make a couple of points. One thing they were trying to say was, well, if you tick every single thing on that box, you're being unrealistic. No one can do everything. But the other point they were trying to make was, well, if you've ticked all kinds of task-focused things, a good communicator, good at pastoral care, able to engage and relevant, but you've missed out on the heart stuff, a heart after God, someone with a lively faith, well, you've missed the point. And it made me think, well, for me as a minister, that's true. But actually, it's true for all of us as Christians, isn't it? We can be busy doing all kinds of things. We can look okay on the outside. But the only thing that really matters is where our heart is. Do we have a heart like King David, who was fully devoted to God? Or do we have a heart like Solomon, who drifted away from God? David's got a special place in my own heart, given that I was named after him. And for me, it's just that desire to be someone who is wholehearted in their devotion, someone who longs to serve God and live for Him. And this is the center of our faith, isn't it? This is how Jesus replied when He was asked, what is the most important commandment? And He didn't tell them anything to do particularly. He said, the first and greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. The second flows from the first, doesn't it? It's because we love God with all of ourselves that everything else follows. So my question for us today is really how is your own heart? What trajectory are you on? Are you growing more and more in love with God? Are you fully devoted to Him like David? Or can you sense that danger in your own life of just beginning to drift away from God like Solomon? I haven't seen many people who've turned away from God in one event but I've seen a few people who have slowly drifted away, who've allowed their love to grow cold, who were once passionate followers of Jesus and who now rarely pick up their Bible, who kind of relegate faith to the edge of their life. There's a danger for all of us that a gentle drift away from devotion to God is possible. Our faith can get to a place where it's no longer as passionate as it once was. And that's what happened for Solomon. He never rejected God, but he allowed himself to drift 
away. And so I just want to look at a few things from Solomon's life tonight that turned his heart away from God, that caused this gentle drift from a man of devotion and wisdom to a man whose heart was no longer fully devoted to God. And the place I want to start is in 1 Kings 6, verse 2. I'll read it to you. You don't need to find it. But 1 Kings 6, verse 2 says this. It says, The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 wide, and 30 high. That might sound like a strange verse to pick out the size of the temple of the Lord that Solomon built. Surely the fact that Solomon built a temple for God that was huge was a sign that his heart was fully devoted to God. But then in 1 Kings 7, it says, he built his palace, the palace of the forest of Lebanon, a hundred cubits long, 50 wide, and 30 high. The temple was 60 cubits long, his palace was 100. There's something significant in these passages in 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles where it compares the temple that Solomon built for God and the palace he built for himself. Solomon's own palace was nearly twice as large as the temple. It was a very visible sign of Solomon's priorities in life. It was a very huge and visible sign of what Solomon thought was most important. The writer of 1 Kings picks up on this difference. He says, Solomon had spent seven years building the Lord's temple. And it all sounds impressive, doesn't it? But then he says in the very next verse, it took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. The thing I find interesting about that, that verse is that little word, however, that the writer throws in. He's not just recording these events. He's not just saying, well, it took seven years to build the temple and it took 13 years to build the palace. He's saying it took seven years to build the temple. However, it took 13 years to build the palace. He's intentionally contrasting these two and he sees an issue in Solomon's heart. Solomon's temple was twice as big and it took twice as long to build as God's temple. And it was a sign of his priorities in life. And it just made me wonder, well, what, are, what is the sign of our priorities in life? For Solomon, the comparison between the size of his palace and the size of his temple, of God's temple, was a comparison between what he built for himself and what he gave to God. And it made me think, well, what if we looked at our lives and thought, well, what do I give to God and what do I keep for myself? How does what we give to God compare with what we spend on ourselves in terms of money? What we spend on our holidays, our hobbies, our houses, how does that compare to what we want to give to God's kingdom? How does the time we spend serving God compare to the time that we keep for ourselves? By the way, this isn't a plug about giving more time or more um, 
money to the church, although that may be how God challenges you. Actually, the thing I think this is, is about giving all of ourselves, all of our time, all of our money to God. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, which says this. He says, Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want all of you. God wants all of us. God wants all of our heart and all of our soul and mind and strength. God doesn't want more of our time. It's not about counting up how much time you spend volunteering in the church. It's about taking those 24 hours you have each day, every day, and giving them all to God. And saying, God, well, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. Yes, my time in the church, but also my time at work and my time with my family and my time with my neighbors. It's all for you. Yes, we take some time out to spend time in prayer, to spend time in God's Word, to give time intentionally to God. But we do it not so we can tick it off the list and think, that's fine, I can have the rest of my time to myself. We do it so that God can enable us to live for Him in all the rest of our time. There's something significant for us here about priorities. What is the symbol of where your priorities in life, how much you give to God and how much you keep for yourself. Is the comparison like Solomon's palace and his temple, where what you keep for yourself actually overshadows what you give to God? Or are you someone who gives your all to God and wants to serve him in any way you can? But the thing is, Solomon's palace doesn't just tell us about priorities. I think it also tells us about money. Money was something significant for Solomon, and it's significant for us. It's something the Bible has a lot to say about, and yet it's something we often like to ignore. There's a verse in 1 Timothy 6 which says this, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, he's not saying that money in itself is bad, and we like to point that out, don't we? But he is saying that money in itself is dangerous. It's tempting. He goes on to say, people who want to get rich fall into temptation. And he even says, some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith. And sadly, that is part of Solomon's story. If you read through his life in 1 Kings, you'll see how much of his life was devoted to luxury, to the gold that he used to line his palaces, to the silver that he made his uh, objects from. Solomon was drawn away from God by the lure of wealth. And Jesus says something similar for us about the danger of wealth in the parable of the sower. He says this, he says, the seed that fell among thorns is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it 
making them unfruitful. Jesus says that the worries of this life have the potential to choke our faith. That money is dangerous and it can lead us away. That wealth is deceitful. You know, we like to think we're not controlled by our money and our possessions, don't we? But sometimes they can control us and they can lead us away from God, just as they did for Solomon. You know, I know this is true in my own life. I'm working in Newton Mounds at the moment, and so I live in a desirable community, a place with good schools, a place where lots of people want to live so that their children can be brought up there and get the best education that they can. And it's only too easy for me and for my wife to set our hearts on that and to think, actually, this, this is what we want for our family, for our children, and so not to be open to God calling us elsewhere when he wants to. I know that I can't let wealth have that hold on my heart. I can't allow the comforts of this world to draw me away from obedience to God. And I just wonder for you, where is it in your life where the challenge is? Where is it in your life where you think, actually, that's where the temptation is? That's where the danger is of this taking me away from God? I don't know what that is for you, but I do know that for all of us in this consumerist society, money is a big challenge. And it's something we have to be honest about, particularly honest about with God, so that we can allow him to correct our hearts and to keep them devoted to him. But the thing is that money wasn't the only thing that drew Solomon's heart away from God. The passage we read tonight in 1 Kings 11 focuses on one of the other things which drew his heart away. It says, King Solomon loved many foreign women. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Solomon had a weakness for money and for women. It's a weakness that many powerful men share and a weakness that many others share as well. But I think the, this verse and this chapter says something to us more than that weakness for women that we might just uh, put up there about Solomon. I think it says something to all of us about relationships and the influence that relationships can have on us. We like to think we make our own choices, that we're not influenced or determined by the thoughts of others. But actually, it's not completely true, particularly in our closest relationships. Sharing the same heart commitment with someone is just non-negotiable when it comes to marriage. Otherwise, we run the risk of being drawn away from God, drifting in our devotion to him. And actually, that's true more generally. As Christians, we are called to follow Christ. And that means we're not called to draw away from the world. We're not called to pull away from relationships with others. We're called to be involved, to care about them, to get to know them. And yet we are, yet we do need to be careful 
about who we allow to have influence over our hearts. We all need to find people in our lives who encourage us in faith, who draw us deeper into the love of God. And we need to be aware of and cautious about those who draw us away. Those voices are many in our contemporary culture, and they're not always from people we know directly. Sometimes it's simply the voices in the media that ridicule our faith and speak contempt for anyone who could believe this stuff anymore. Well, our culture might have changed, but God has not changed. God is just as real today as he was yesterday. And he'll be just as real tomorrow as he is today and as he was yesterday. In a world which is so skeptical of faith, we particularly need the encouragement of those who draw us to God. And we need to be particularly cautious of those voices that would draw us away. We need encouragement in a skeptical world. We need people who are going to help us persevere and keep going in God. Solomon's life is a reminder to all of us of how easy it is to drift (coughs) and how dangerous that can be. It reminds me of the need for me to keep the fire burning in my heart for God, to spend time with those who encourage me in my faith, to read God's Word, to be expectant in prayer. And it reminds me when my life is summed up, I know how I want the epitaph to read. I don't want it to read as it did about Solomon. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his hearts after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. Instead, what I want to be said about me is what was said about David, that his heart was fully devoted to the Lord. And that's my prayer for me, but it's my prayer for you as well, that that would be said about you, that your heart is fully devoted to God. So I just want to encourage you to think about that tonight, to think as the years pass by, how is my life being summed up? Is my faith growing warmer or is it growing colder? Is my heart growing closer to God or is it growing further away? Am I allowing the voices of this world and the pleasures of wealth to draw me away from God? Or am I remembering that nothing is more important than a heart which is fixed on God? Should we pray?